welcome to the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast we started when we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam Wise, aka Will Sam24, and with me today are Ian Garfield, known as Ian G. Tom Jones, Tommy on the forum. Dan Ledwood, uh, Ledhead27 on the forum. And I'm Dominic Vickery, Dom Vickery on the forum. So, a few hours ago, we launched a podcast. Yay. It's gone live, our voices are out there, and the criticism is no doubt already flooding in. Uh, if you have any complaints, please DM them directly to Dan. Oi. It's not quite a new world for UCAR itself, because before we had the excellent Display Frequency podcast from Dan O'Hagan. But for all of us, it's something new, so hopefully you're all enjoying it. Well, actually, I suppose if you're listening to this, you've, you've carried on with it. Um, but before we get on to chatting about that and uh, today's topic, which is probably going to be about what writing for UCAR has meant to us and what our experiences of being on the UCAR team is... I actually thought I'd just check in with guys and with the guys and see how lockdown's treating everyone. So, Ian, how are you coping with lockdown? Um, just about clinging to the wreckage, I think. Uh, <laughs> that, clinging uh, to the wreckage. That, that, yeah. The wreckage of what? <laughs> it's been tough. Um, I work in a school, so everything that you see in the news, it, you can multiply that by ten. Uh, if you think that it's complicated it's just a minefield nobody knows what's going on and indeed when any students are coming back everyone's got their own ideas and they're relying on all sorts of different people as to when to get back to work Uh, the good side is that I'm working one week on one week off so I get to spend a week at home not that I can go anywhere or do anything I think from a, a mental point of view I might have been at breaky point a few weeks ago just with how things have carried on and no end to it but things like doing this podcast have really helped and as we've said in the previous podcast just looking things on the internet looking at pictures of people's planes and going back into the archives it's been great and it's sort of made you think wow you know there's a lot more uh, to uh, there's, there's a lot more going on uh, things that you can look at going back into the history of, of uh, or like the history going back over the last like 20, 30 years look at these photos it's good to look back and recollect mm. on good times uh, and it, it just helps things out and you have a, a, a fresh uh, space in your mind it, it, it's it's funny how the simplest of things can actually change your your vision your way of looking mm. at things yeah. I'm dying to get out to go to an air show <laughs> I really am um, we, I think I wouldn't say we're so close because this we don't know where the end of this is going to be but there's little things that are appearing here and there and you kind of think well okay maybe I I can go spotting now maybe I will go to an airfield and just go and see what's going on and I'd love to go to Lagenheath or Mildenhall or something like that but actually just seeing the sheer amount of light aircraft that are going over I'd go to somewhere like Slape or Hapney Green or something like that and just go and see some spam cans flying anything anything. I actually think going to an airfield like that will probably be it potentially with the crowds at some of the the obvious places will be quite a nice day out just to go and sit plonk a chair down and just have a day in the sun watching some planes poop. Well, it's not only that. Yeah. You'll probably get more movements at GA Airfield at the moment than you well, would at yeah. somewhere like Heathrow. Well, well, you will at Heathrow, yeah. Did anyone see how busy Lake and Heath was this week? Was it outrageously busy? Stupid. I, I heard about it. I didn't see. I didn't see any pictures. No. Busier than it is normally. Yeah, it was. The, uh, the viewing park was full to brim of cars. I think it's because there's there's probably still a lot of people on furlough or. Um, 
unfortunately might have lost their jobs mm. or whatever else, or who can sort of slyly manage to blag the fact that they're working from home, but <laughs> <laughs> in the car back seat or something, you know, just re- reply to the odd email um, on, on the phone, and just delete the sent from my iPhone. But um, how about everyone else? How's lockdown? Well, I was gonna say, Dan, Dan, you've probably been hit harder by Corona than the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, flipping out. If if you'd have said five months ago, blimey, you'd be sat not particularly doing a great deal working night shift at Asda, picking food for home shopping, I'd have probably told you to go away. Um, it's 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 Strong. been it's been, it's been bizarre. I, I, that's the weird thing. It it this feels like my life now. I mean, do you want to explain how you've ended up working night shifts at Asda? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I know I've made a running joke of it. It's been a bit of a running gag in previous podcasts. So, for those that don't know, um, I used to be a first officer at uh, Flyby on the Dash Eight Q400, um, and obviously, uh, when the on the fifth of March, we unfortunately lost our jobs. It was partly down to Corona. Um, I'm not going to the whys and wherefores of like why Flyby went into administration but the the end of it is we all lost our jobs um unfortunately a couple of weeks afterwards we all obviously went into lockdown and a fun i mean i was at the period where i was applying for jobs at other airlines and not just airlines i was looking for survey work uh looking at business jet companies just anything aviation related that i could sort of jump into as quickly as i could um but unfortunately it all just dried up the recruitment essentially just stopped um, a bit like everything else, uh, but the, the tourism, the travel and tourism, and commercial aviation in particular, being hit immensely hard by it. I've, I've seen so many people that I know at other airlines lose their jobs as well, which is pretty heartbreaking. Um, so I, I've just essentially to make ends meet. Um, I was lucky. I went down to my local ASDA, um, and I just nipped to the. I think I nipped to the customer service desk. And I just happened to go, do you have any jobs going? And not tongue-in-cheek, but I just thought I'd ask. And the guy behind the desk went, yeah, we are, actually. Um, pop your name down. Pop my name down on a piece of paper and my number. I hadn't heard anything for two or three weeks. I just sort of assumed they'd got someone. And then I got a phone call saying, can you come and work for us on Wednesday? And I've been working there now for, ooh, what will it be? It's coming up to two months now. Great. So, yeah, it's... It, it's bizarre. It's weird. I mean, as I say, like as much as I enjoy working in the supermarket at the moment, I can't wait to try and get flying again. And yeah, I'll man. I'll do anything to to go flying again, no matter what airline it is. Well, let's not say things we'll regret in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I have had a couple of beers, so uh, I'll probably go. Oh, what a stupid thing to say afterwards. But um, no, once we return back to normality, then I'll be very thankful for it. Do you have to worry yet about currency or anything, or is it like? So I was all, all done in pounds sterling. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a sound effect. That was just me doing a great reconstruction of some trumps and symbols. <laughs> Maybe I should do a career in that instead. I'll just make sound effects instead. Um, all right, Jonesy, calm down. <laughs> Um, currency wise so I was actually really lucky Um, so we have to do what's called an LPC OPC which is a line proficiency check and an operator's proficiency check every 12 months 
and that essentially renews your license to operate for 12 months um i did mine in february uh, no i didn't i did mine in january sorry um so i'm current for another 12 months um so i've, I've not got any worries about lapsing just i mean again like what ian said depends how long this goes on for um but there's been exceptions so medicals my medical technically lapsed but the caa put in um a piece of uh a document that said you can extend your medical by six months provided you don't have like a heart attack or something you know dreadfully serious so yeah on that front it's a case of sit wait as soon as the airlines or um whatever start opening up again then hop straight in with your cv so what airlines would you apply for with a Q, with dash 8 experience how transferable is that to say like an a320 or something you wouldn't want to convert I, it, it would be easier to convert just on the principle of you have more airlines that fly um, A320s. And, and I think it isn't Dash 8. Well, th- this is the thing. I mean, we see in the UK we're quite, well, some people are quite lucky because they quite like them. Um, there were a lot of Dash 8s. I mean, Flyby was the biggest operator of the Dash 8, I think, in your, maybe the world. I wasn't, I'm not sure about that. But now they've gone, there aren't actually that many other operators. There's Luxair, there's Air Baltic. Um, lot. Orini, uh, do they or do they have ATR? They're they're ATRs. Oh, Air um, Baltic would be cool. Air Bal- uh, yeah. I mean, there's murmuring. This is the problem, though, because of how long this been this has been going on for. Yeah. There's murmurings that they're going to just cut the fleet. Um, really? I mean, Eurowings had a reasonably big Q400 fleet, and that's gone now. Um, I think Austrian have also got a Q400 fleet, but that might be going. So. It, it's what what's crazy is that these fleets that are being cut aren't are just being cut they're not like well obviously we're just going to mock all everything now because yeah. it's going to come back at some point well i mean it's a bit like the a38s as we were speaking about last week i mean air france have said we're not having any more of those and but no one else has turned around and gone oh we'll buy them off you no one yeah. no one wants to touch anything with a barge pole at the moment so in, in answer to your question it, yes, it'll probably be easier to convert onto something else. What it'll be, I don't know. It's not. It, it's not particularly hard because it's as soon as as soon as you start with an airline, um, they train you yeah. before you hit the line. I mean, when I got my job at Flybe, that was my first commercial job, so I I trained there, and then you train on the line, um, and that's it. You you there to fly for as long as you want. So yeah, answers on a postcard at the moment. For, for now, anyway. Do you know, like, what's the sort of situation for other flyby pilots and um, officers? I and know, crew I and know, staff as well. I know that um, as of at the moment, which is what, 31st of May, no one else has got a flying job anywhere. I mean, some people have even been looking at um, the Rwanda in Rwanda, who's got a Q400 fleet, and a few people applied there. Mm. Um, but they've they've heard nothing back. Um, some people have tried. Uh, uh, Flyby was quite good in the sense that it was quite a. You got people from far and wide. So there was a mate of mine from Australia. He moved back just before lockdown. Um, he's been trying to apply for jobs there. Not had any luck, unfortunately. They're, they'll he'll get luckier before people here will though, because oh, yeah. they're coming out of it. No, absolutely, absolutely. But no, um, few a few people I know 
particularly in Edinburgh. They've gone and worked in supermarkets. A couple of others have worked in a large warehouse. Uh, I think it's an Amazon warehouse. It's all uh, cabin crew, have actually, funnily enough. They've got the most amount of... Um, the highest percentage of people going into other work post flyby. Um, it on. seems to be the aircrew that seems to be suffering for it. Maybe we're just more picky and just want to go flying again. <laughs> you just hold it we're just like, no, I want to go flying. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that I'm sure that something will will come down the line, and you know, you'll you'll land on your feet like everyone else. Um, it's a bit of a strange one because we knew that the seven four seven fleets were going to be caught and we knew that the A380s, the A380s days were numbered before coronavirus hit really and it, it really has been the death knell for it and it's just as if the aviation, commercial aviation as a whole through this, it's almost as if it's not going to recover, this is how it's going to be for a very long time uh, there's going to be literally hundreds of, of pilots thousands of you know, the, the cabin crew that are going to be looking for jobs not going back into commercial aviation for some time afterwards uh, it, it, it's just a very strange situation uh, the airline company is just not expecting a it won't be a quick turnaround a quick recovery but you know they're not expecting things to pick up for two three five ten years after this the, the only sort of forecast that I've seen an airline actually pin an actual date on is it well, EasyJet unfortunately um, made a fair few pilots were done this week um, and they didn't expect a full recovery by 2023 they said they didn't say when abouts just 2023 I mean that's still three years away which is going to feel like a lifetime if that is true um, the, the way I've been looking at it is because obviously no one knows no one's got a crystal ball that says yes we'll definitely be fully up and running by next year I think what's essentially been looked at is a lot of airlines have said the rest of 2020 is going to be a write-off in terms of we're not going to be back up at um, full operational capability. Um, so the only thing I can reference it to for the time that I've sort of been interested in into aviation was the economic recession in 2008-2009. Um, but even then you didn't have this many pilots, cabin crew, or people working in the commercial aviation sector that were looking for a job so this is this is like I hate to say the phrase but it's it's never been seen before in history so yeah it's quite unprecedented isn't it yeah uh, unprecedented that's a, a good word to sum it up I mean you'll naturally get some pilots that are sort of that were close to retirement that'll probably not do it anymore and they'll just take early retirement instead so you'll get that natural fall off of people at the very top packing it in but it depends how hard it rebounds you I mean after this imagine how many people want to say I really want to go on holiday mm. right now I did loads of flights most of my flights were down to Heathrow and London City um, majority of it was business passengers we didn't do what we call bucket and spade flights so you'll you've got a lot of business people that will be going back to work and they need to get back to work somehow um, which again is part of the reason why I hope something rises out of the ashes of Flybe because at the moment the regional connectivity is poor at best in the UK. But we'll see. Without going down a, a really long road of what should happen in the UK commercially wise, um, I'm hoping demand 
yeah, will be good in the future. Yeah, he's going to kind of have to. That there is once we come out of this period, there is going to be a demand for it because people are going to need to get from A to B, the length and breadth of the country. And as you say, people are going to want to go on holiday. Whether there's going to be some sort of drastic change in terms of social distancing and stuff, uh, I don't see how they can do that sort of thing on a plane. You know, sitting next to you know, two, three people. I in think a row. by that point they're just gonna they'll have to have given yeah. up on social distancing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they have already, haven't they? If you come to the depths of Wolverhampton, that's something else. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, let's say you can go off on a tangent as to how things are going to be in two, three years' time. There, there's no way that you can stop people from getting close to one another. Uh, not as they are now uh, I'd say these things they will have to pick up there mm. will be a demand yeah absolutely they'd say I mean every every seat that you have that doesn't have a person sat in it is just making is making a loss yeah of the, course um, unless unless you have an airline which specialises in first class seats and fancy suites and you know cocktail bars and such like that which really had wish you'd gone for a third word that ended bars. with peace yeah I was just waiting for that <laughs> I was waiting for something else Gubby sweet no hard boiled sweets. No, um, you know, no, no. first class seats, fancy, fancy sweets, sweets and fir- first first class fancy su- fancy <laughs> sweets, first class sweets and three <laughs> pairs of beets. Do you want to take a run up oh, and do it again? <laughs> I'm not a lyrical genius though, so it's it's not within my my remit to to drop rhymes like that. Poetry of the street. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tom and Dom, how about you guys? Yeah, I'm. I'm actually all right. I'm working from home. I usually work. My day job's working in a bank. Um, I'm working from home for a bank, um, which thankfully is very busy. So I am occupied day to day. Um, pretty much everyone said I'd love to get back out. You know, get out to an air show again. Um, and I've actually said about spotting. Spoke to you guys a couple of times during the week, and actually, Birmingham Airport. I haven't needed to go out spotting. I just go and sit in my back garden. I've had some crazy movements, so that's keeping me sane and occupied. And there's talk for me going back in the next two weeks, potentially going back to the day job. So hopefully it comes back. It does happen. I do go back and start to get back some sort of normality in my life again. And then hopefully that brings on to aircraft coming back in. Are you? Uh, this is probably a really stupid question, but are you are you actually looking forward to going back into the bank rather than just working from home? I, I know you've got the f- flexibility to sort of do what you want working from home, but are you happy to sort of go back to what you did before? Absolutely. I think when I was before, you know, I, well, the bank I work in is a very busy branch. I could easily speak to a hundred people a day. Um, you know, li- it was literally overnight. I went from serving that amount of people, speak to that amount of people to none you know live on my own um, with a cat but yeah from 100 people a day to, to no one was, was pretty pretty hard at the start and I would look to go back to get you know look forward to going back to get that back up again weird thing sort of the loneliness of, of lockdown um, I live I live with my other half and um We've noticed that we've been getting a little bit cr- more crabby at each other because 
I'm sort of pent up in here, you know, 24/7, notwithstanding the exercise or you know going out or, or you know to the exercise or whatever. But there's not, I, I working from home as well, um, and I'm glad that I can work from home. I don't, I don't think I'd want to sit at home doing nothing. I would have. I'd like I would have got bored of video games, and that would just be a, a world yeah. of hurt, you know. Like imagine getting bored of the PlayStation, um, or bored of uh, gardening or something. Um, so I don't know. It's weird. It's the new normal now, and I, I'm not really. I want to see everyone that I work with again, um, and I want to see like my friends again and stuff. And yeah, I want to be able to go back to the pub desperately, but um, almost as desperately as I want to go spotting. But I'm not so keen on wanting to return Man, to my workplace just I miss because. The pub so much. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. Huge and like, yeah, and it's just the people you bump into there, isn't it? And we've got a really great local pub um, that's like properly been turned around compared to when some like you know, drug addict used to run it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they missed a the trick. Now they just sell everyone the drink. No, I'm joking. Um, no, it's, it's really, really good now. Uh, it's a really good, nice country pub that's like at the end of the street, so I can walk there and have a pint. But um, so yeah, I miss things like that. I miss my parents who live like three hours away from me, so um, I can't um, really go and see them, um, and I can't really, I, I can't go drive up there sit in the garden for half an hour socially distanced and then drive back it's a six hour round trip for a 20 minute conversation um, so it'd be nice to see them but I, I'm not eager to return to my place of work because I have to commute into Cardiff and normally that's by train and it's not the place of work like my my um, my work is really very forward thinking and they're really nice people I mean, no problems going there but I'm not eager about going into Cardiff on the train and that's something that I've I'm a bit like, oof. Mm. Um, the trains are bloody awful anyway, and I'm saving so much money by not doing, by not commuting. So yeah, it's it's, it's a weird, weird thing. It's becoming the new normal. I do need to get out, and I really want to go spotting. Um, I just need to get out of the house just to get some some air because I've I've just been basically here since even slightly before lockdown you know I, there was a, a week or two weeks before lockdown where I just didn't really do much because I was trying to save up some money <laughs> what you an know, idiot I, I, my work has been really good I mean we're all working from home I'm being, they work have been keeping me busy which is really good um, and they the, the company did the option of said to us gave us the option of coming into the office um, it's like maximum two people at any time because because basically our boss has been going into the office every single day, but he, but basically we've got the option to go into the office as long as you can get in without using public transport, without uh, you know obviously social distancing and lockdown and all of that. So I went in at the beginning of this week, and honestly, just having a change of scenery changed so much for me. Like mentally, my mental health was the best best thing I've done for it in the last two months. It's just that one day going somewhere else, change of scenery. I think it's there easy was, not to realise the impact that it has, that you know, that that isolation or staying at home um, has on the mental health. And it's one yeah. of those things. It's a bit like you know, I you know, I t- took advantage of the great weather today, and I washed um, mine and my other half's car. And I was like, it's one of those things, and I, it's like a proper. Um, 
analogy for it, but I didn't realise how dirty they were until I washed them. And it's kind of like that with the mental health, isn't it? Like you mm. don't realise yeah, how much yeah. you need a change until Massive you do it, and, and then you're like, oh my god, I feel so much better now. Um, and you just don't realise you you're getting wet, worn down. So I, I got yeah. the next two days off on holiday anyway. And, so and, and actually, that's I'll good. tell you what else it was was li- there was there was my boss was in there, and one other person came in that day as well, talking to people face to face that aren't the people I'm living with. My yeah. God. Yeah. Honestly, it just you you don't you take it for granted, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been I've been keeping busy as well. So the last couple of weeks, I've been going over all my photos that I've had since uh, f- from about from before twenty fifteen, basically, um, because I think twenty sixteen was when I started editing things properly and sort of cataloging things properly. So I've been going over old stuff, finding photos that I wouldn't have thought to use back in the day and that's been good fun and been a good exercise and just sorting stuff out and then before then I've been doing a lot of stuff with the UCAR website as well um, refreshing that doing the page for our podcast launch and all that so actually it's been quite good keeping me busy I haven't really found any periods where I'm particularly bored that's good nice. yeah the reason I've been doing the you can't wait. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, gosh, here he goes again. You've got to work on, work on these segues. So. What do you work on? They're literally perfect. Um, <laughs> is that I do a lot of the web stuff. Not the only person, but I do a lot of the web stuff for the for the site, for UCAR. And the reason I do that is because uh, in 2015, I went spotting at Bryce Norton. I think it was the first, first trip I've done. And met as was back then the owner and sort of general in charge person of the forum Paul Osborne and Nick Challoner who aren't aren't actually involved with the site anymore and what I do for a living professionally I'm a, a web developer and through that in conversation they they obviously that came up we were chatting about that and after after that trip they invited me to join the team to help out with the web stuff and creating pages and managing the server and things like that um so that that's my story of how I joined the staff team. I think uh, at the time, um, I mean, I was the only one who joined around then. That was 2015. I think a bunch of people. I think Dom, Tom, and Do- Dom, Tom, and Dan all joined in 2014. Is that right? Yeah, April 2014. Yeah. They put a call out, and that that was like a real um, changeover between the old guard and. Um, some of those of us who are here today um, and yeah they put a call out Ian I think was last year or was it the year before Ian you joined in November 2017 was it um, November 2018 I think it was, was it? I think it was no, 2017 before that because we met a Riyadh yeah stone the crown I thought it was <laughs> much more recent than that so uh, I'm trying to move on to the conversation but what why did you want to join UCAR? That's a very good question. I think I think for me, not to not to sort of case of get your violins out and feel sorry for me, but <coughs> apart from so at the time when when I joined, so twenty fourteen, <laughs> Sam's just laughing in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I joined, so as Tom said, twenty fourteen, which was the same time as when I joined with Tom and Dom. I I was at sixth form at the time and I, I was in my first year of or second year sorry of sixth form um, and the weird thing was so 
I by this point I was doing my private pilot's license, and I went to air shows and things like that. And obviously, I, you know, lived and breathed aviation, but I didn't really have a a release for it. Um, so I'd go to Sixth Form, you know, I'd talk about going flying and stuff like that, and people didn't really understand what I was talking about. To them, I could have just been saying a bunch of letters and numbers and talking any old rubbish. So when the call came out to say, we'd like some people to volunteer, um, I was like, oh, this is brilliant because this, this is just an excuse for me to go to air shows and, you know, really go to town about um, talking about planes at air shows. And that's what I thought it'd be. And then when I joined and started getting into the flow of doing reviews, I suddenly started looking at air shows not in a totally different light. Obviously, it was still very much centralised about the flying display and the static display, but, you know, getting in and out of an air show and, you know, the catering facilities at an air show and stuff like that, it made it made me appreciate an air show in a totally different perspective. Yeah, 100%. It, the writing for UCAR um, and, and learning how to do that is... Um, Oh, I say learning. It's not quite. That's not quite right. You just sort of just pick it up as you go along and and shape your own style. But it does completely change how you um, l- like just look and view an air show. It's through a completely different, um, you know, filter. Even when you're not writing about them, which is weird. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know why because I would still enjoy an air show. And I don't know. I I don't know what I think of differently now than I did when I didn't write for air shows. But I know that I do, and I, I can't work out what it is. I was going to say. I mean, on 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 the go to air shows when you're not reviewing it. I've been to Riyadh what about four or five times since joining UCAR. Um, but even though I've never I've never done a Riyadh review, I can't help but sit there and go, oh, you know, looking at say the static display and a bunch of F-16s parked in front of toilets. Um, I can't help but look at it and go, you know, that has to go into the review because that's a really poor decision or something something like that. It is interesting. You, you do think about, particularly if you're writing the review, but it, it does change how you look at it at any show you go to, is things like what is worth picking up on because one of the things certainly that has changed for me has been um, how wh- how tr- a different way of measuring how successful a show is so I don't think there's been really any shows I've been to that I've just not liked I can't it, it would take a lot for a show to really make me dislike being there well most Duxfords actually to be perfectly honest but um, well, well, uh, but, but 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 actually, but that's a good point. What makes a show successful, Duxford? Uh, it's just a, there's something horrible about it. It's a horrible atmosphere that I've found. And I think, generally speaking, certainly of the last few years, generally speaking, I think most of us agree. I don't think any of us really enjoy going to Duxford shows anymore. I haven't been to a Duxford show since. Where I haven't been inside Duxford since. I think it was a spring show, twenty thirteen. Mm. Every I went to the, to the naughty fields a couple of times after that. Twenty fifteen was the last time I went to Duxford, and I can honestly say I don't miss Duxford at all. The as an air show, the twenty thirteen spring show um, was 
close in my mind to one of the best air shows I've ever been to. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I, I remember looking back at my photos a couple of a couple of weeks ago for I think one of our photo competitions, and the lineup was just incredible. The weather was just incredible. There was a there was a sort of buzz about it, um, not to just slap on the rose tinted spectacles, because um, we're talking about how we write air, sh- air show reviews rather than and a particular issue but there was a buzz about it because um, the, uh, Princess Liz P51 C, C. the one with Malcolm Hood yeah. um, oh. which which one looks so nice um, arrived in a container and it was the sort of the Eagle Squadron um, commemorations and it was like there was this buzz the week before the show and it just felt great and you could see pictures on social media like oh look you know that there's the tail there's the thing you know the, the wings are on um oh she's engine running oh she's she's flown right brilliant it's in time for the show and th- there was just a buzz about that show and I, I, thinking back some of the best air shows that i've been to are the ones that have got that pre-show electric buzz which is the really really frustrating because you can't define it can't tell what it is but you think about you you think back to all of what anyone would consider to be say the good reacts or the good legends or the good uh duxford air shows whatever they might be or the the good shutterworths for example i guarantee that most of them will have probably had some electric sort of buzz beforehand um in terms of how they were built and it just goes beyond the show and likewise some of the uh, not worst, but some of the um, air shows that you might not have enjoyed as much have got the precise opposite, and there's that negative buzz, a negative cloud already surrounding them before the event even starts. Um, whether or not it's fair to judge an air yeah. show by what happens before the event, I don't know. I think it is, but I I, I disagree. I, I disagree. I mean, that was that was how I introduced the my Riyadh review last year, which and. I mean that was obviously the if you do any air show review that's that's the biggest one you can do and I was, <laughs> was quite excoriating critical in it um <laughs> with a, yeah I think that's the word you used when like I posted it like a brillo pad but <laughs> it's one of those things where you have to be very careful about what you're saying you have to be absolutely sure that you can back up whatever you're saying and we all went into the show not ex- uh, uh, f- expecting bad stuff because the PR beforehand had been shocking. Despite the lineup, things like the blades being announced and certain things not being announced just left a sour taste in the mouth. And you have to get that pre-show right for any show, and and it has to be scaled appropriately, obviously, because if you turn up on the day with your ticket thinking well this isn't going to be worth it you're going to be trying to find reasons not to enjoy it that's just human nature um and that goes for every show regardless of where it is so yeah it's and and that's something it it, you know when when you do a review and you write review you have to be objective of it obviously that's one of the biggest things you have to be careful of but if the build-up to it has been abhorrent or abysmal then that's something you absolutely have to take into account it's a big part of it particularly in this day and age of social media and those, those are the easiest reviews to write but the ones that you, you're scared the most of because you just know that um, there's probably going to be a massive amount of pushback mm. 
um, from people who think that you know you, you shouldn't really be writing anything negative about air shows, or certainly not anything negative to the extent that we might write. But yeah, that that pre-show buzz. And let, look, I'm thinking of um, another the one review that I've absolutely panned a show was one that was an okay air show but it should have been so much better and it was the Duxford September show in 2014 where they had the the two lanks and that should have been yeah. should have been uh, amazing or at least you know one of the one of the good shows of the season and there was just so much in in the way and there was like a really varied flying program and so i think the sunday was great and then the saturday was like completely neutered um in terms of flying acts um i think that's when they were mooting the difference in parking charges but they started to, to pack charges on top um and, and and there was a lot of stuff at the time and i just remember saying you know look that there are so many gems here there's so, like because the the war, fleet of warbirds at duxford is undeniably amazing um and they are fantastic. It's a but, mecca for aviation. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, and so I think that's one of the things I said. I was like, how can I go uh, to the point when I thought, am I have I just lost my mojo? Am I not enjoying the hobby anymore? How can I go to an air show with two lengths, um, that mecca of aviation, all of all of those parts, and the show didn't didn't add up to the sum of of many well yeah. of, of of any of its considerable parts it should have been fantastic it should have been one of the shows of the year and I, it just left me cold um it that could have been because the weather was a bit inclement as well which probably didn't add anything or and, and probably took a bit away it might have been better if it was sunny but it, it's just one of those things but that negative buzz pre-show was definitely there for that and it does it, it means you go through those gates with a sour taste and Maybe we maybe we shouldn't be feeling like that. Maybe we should just be completely objective. But that's not how the mind works, you know. And if you've seen um, pretty bad PR for three mm. or four months before a show, then you're gonna you, you're gonna have that in the back of your mind. And yeah, weren't even too many big things, but it was death by a thousand cuts. By the time you walked in through those through those doors, there have been so many mistakes. You just think, oh, yeah. It just feels like yeah. they weren't on the ball. Of course. I'm not saying that they weren't. I'm just saying that's what the the the, the feeling is that comes across. I'm sure they were very much on the ball, like every other year. Um, and for, you know, it's probably unfair to the to the to the very hardworking team, but that's where that feeling comes from. And then you walk through those gates, and you're already thinking, ugh. It, it, you know, you know, I mean, you're still excited for a react. Of course you are. You know, no one no one would go to a show that they absolutely bloody hate, but. You're not perhaps got the same level of, of buzz as oh my god you know I've I've seen I've seen the live arrivals the MiG 29s are here first time you know the Polish MiG 29s I know when they came in 2012 they were a huge star item I know they became a bit more familiar and familiarity breeds I wouldn't say contempt well, they've not but... been back that many times hmm? they've not been back that many times no but the, but when but when they turned up to react in 2012 they went to Yeovilton the year before and then they hadn't been to a UK show before that or at least for, for a long time before that and so like I, they were a huge thing it was their react debut and it was a flying item looking forward to Polish May 29th oh my god and you know you see them on um, Andy's live arrivals thread and you get really hyped up and like, yes yes brilliant like that and and there's all that positive buzz and, and it felt that year like the show was really switched on in 2012 you know many will mm. say that was a truly vintage react um, and that pre-show buzz they managed to get just right and there wasn't any 
there weren't any mistakes to, to pull away from that or to dilute it, it. it on that note the, it's to go back slightly to what you said before about the shows where everything well not everything but where a lot has gone wrong and the easiest to reviews to write a lot of people listening who haven't written about you know done air show reviews or, or or written on that front will probably be surprised to know that the hardest reviews to write are where the show has done everything right yeah and that you, there's really nothing you can pull them up on at all which to be honest has been the last two or three Yeovilton's bar bar the static fence arrangement uh, I think you found it last year and I found it the two couple of years before that when they, when they do everything right there's 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 very little to say that without just writing a just a list of aircraft which is something we and participants which is something we, we try to avoid um, you, you know you can talk about things like did they achieve the themes that they said they were going to have or you know they had an extra a bumper crop of x y or z this year but it's really difficult to actually find some meat to write about when things are good because all you can really say is yeah this was they they did they got this right they got that right this was this happened and yeah so that's when you start to think about like which which display stood out and why and try and build a narrative into the into your paragraphs to to build up to you know what the best display was or a particularly interesting item on static stood out and if there's a particular story behind it maybe and that's that's sort of where you maybe pad it out a little bit more to for want of a better phrase but yeah it it's it's sort of a, a funny thing because you, you go to an amazing show and you love it and you have a great day out and you come away really happy and then it's like shit i've got to write about that <laughs> i think one of the easily one of the most frustrating yet enjoyable articles i've wrote whilst it wasn't a uk show was um la ferte la in 2018 because it was the first time i'd gone it was a beautiful weekend like it, it was wall-to-wall sunshine essentially all weekend oh well, well i went with you and I, I will confirm that is i think probably the best air show i've been to if i if i'm hand on heart honest it was exceptional in every single aspect of an air show it was perfect so what i what i what i sometimes try and do is before i start writing a review i'll open my word document and i'll just bullet point a few things um just just to try and like i'll pop them in at various points of the review and try and build up the word around them and for the first LA, for because the show was so good, I just sat there and I go and I thought to myself, I don't, I really don't know where to start with this. And for as Sam said, for fear of literally just listing acts that were there and saying, oh, this was really good, and the the Corso was really good, and the Spad Thirteen Rafale um, Flypass was really good. I couldn't. Th- it was very hard to try and actually get the ball rolling on that one. I mean, whilst it was great to, you know, I could, whilst I was writing a review, I could think, oh, you know, that display was brilliant, etc. It took an absolute eternity to write. It it wasn't easy at all. And the only other one that I can sort of think of, going back a little bit, when we were talking about pre-show build-up, was, whilst, okay, it wasn't really an air show per se, was Dax over Duxford. Um, I mean, the weather was pretty pants the day I went again I went with Sam that day um, but the 
the whole buzz around the show, um, and or the event, I should say, was was almost palpable because I've never been to a show where um, I've sort of popped, so where we'd popped, popped over the top of the Land Warfare, past the Land Warfare Museum, sorry, and you just saw this, an airfield oh. dominated by C-47 D3s. It was just, you had to stand there and go, oh my God, this is amazing. And no amount of words could really put that into context, a sort of <laughs> warm, fuzzy feeling you get. Yeah, it, 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 I mean that in particular was like you just there's nothing to prepare you for a site like that that you've never. I mean, I mean the week before of yeah, what was it? A couple of days beforehand at, at Shuttleworth, just driving around the. In fact, you said it in your um, the top ten piece, Dom. That bit where you drive around the corner and you suddenly see four or five C forty seven tails parked in the top of the Shuttleworth field in a venue that's that small as well. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. It's mind blowing. That that alone was amazing, and then the the number at Duxford was just was unreal. But it, it's it's funny you say about like how the weather and that. I mean, I to to go back to Le Forte twenty seventeen, which was the first one I went to. It was, I mean, biblical weather. I I genuinely got beyond soaked there, and yet there was something about the show that was so good that it made me need to go back again the next year, which is bizarre just backtracking a little bit in terms of how hard it is to write a review of a very very good show um, it's probably worth clarifying people should understand that um, there's no satisfaction to be had in having an easy review of what might be considered a bad show to write it's far better to have gone to a great show and have an absolute oh, bugger yeah. of a review oh, on your desk um, and, and also um when a show is good, and even when a show's bad, it's not the case that that one that, that anyone goes mining for for bad for for flaws for for things that are bad about Absolutely whatever show. Not. That well, would be if a show's good, you want to sing its praises. Well, yeah, I mean, it, but it, well, it's difficult because it's it's an appraisal. So yeah, it's it's you can't go looking for bad stuff for the sake of looking for bad stuff because it makes it easier to write. Um, it's just that when everything does go right unless you've got historic versions to compare it to it, it is hard work but um, I mean it's interesting you talk about your, your approach to writing reviews um, Dan, Sam what, like, when you say okay, so say you've, you've gone to an airshow whether you be at Shuttleworth or uh, Duxford or Riyadh or wherever else um, what's your sort of workflow in terms of writing a review how do you like to do it so I would be thinking about uh, which displays or static items I particularly think were warrant a mention because you know if you've read certainly any reviews of, our, of larger shows that we've done you'll know we don't list everything that's there because we well, can't probably you, you can't and most people are probably gonna have a good idea anyway but if I'll be thinking about what what stood out, what warrants a mention. You know wh whether that's because it was a good display, or it was a particularly rare item, or it's something's last chance. It's your last chance to see something. Um, I would be thinking about what themes the show had, whether that was say an historical event it's commemorating, or if it's a I don't know the com uh, theme of ASW or search and rescue or heavy transport, whatever how well it achieved that, what it did to achieve those themes, um, 
what was there that contributed to the theme or, or, or didn't you know to what extent things weren't met um, I would be looking at the context surrounding the show particularly with regards writing the introduction you know what 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 if any build up was there that was of any note um, and then just just sort of try to build the narrative of the day and I, by that I don't mean um, I, I don't mean sort of the timeline of the day you know got in did this when it's all that da, da, da. I, I mean what did how did the show not make me feel because that's maybe a bit too subjective for the purposes of review but how, how did I react to the show as a as a as, a, as both a writer and a, a just a, a member of the public as an air show go how did I react to it what did it do for me um, what did it achieve what were its successes what were its failures if there were any and then uh, you know and, and, and I think it's fair to you, you can get a motive in your reviews because that's what we enjoy it's our hobby um, and, and if there are any failures you know I'm looking back at I mean, right now I just pulled up my 2017 Yeovilton review and was reading about how on the arrivals day there was no water provided <laughs> for for the, for the people that were in the enclosure, and you know things like that. If there are serious points that need addressing, they need to be given a good amount of of, mm. of word time. It's not the right phrase, but it's one I just made up, so we'll roll with it. Um, yeah, uh, and basically, what what's the story of the day of of the show? that's how I try and write anyway uh, and, and that has to be set you know something like a, a Rhea or a Yeovilton is obviously going to have a very different flavour than a Shuttleworth for example but uh, and and then again you might have uh, shows if it's a venue I've not been to before I might be writing it from the perspective of someone who's never been to a show before if it's something I've been to a lot then I'll be comparing it to past shows and how it ranks among uh, previous editions and iterations if it's an overseas show, then that'll probably lean towards the former, I suppose, because there aren't many overseas shows I've been to repeats, I suppose. Um, yeah, and and uh, to to say it again, just build the story of the show. I think one thing to point out for for UK show review for whenever any of us review a UK show, we always do it from the the viewpoint of a punter. We don't take press passes. We don't take any special access or privileges. We we buy our airshow tickets out of our own pocket. You know, we don't have to be there. We go there because we want to be there. So we review an airshow based on what we, as an airshow punter, see and feel, and how we see the day, rather than someone who has got special access, special parking privileges, you know, etc. UK, um, UK got pretty panned I think in the 2016 react review I say pretty panned it was a, it was a few people but I think it was a very fair thing to be said um, where it said something like um, it and he's not here to, to defend himself so I feel a bit um, sad bringing it up but he, you know, he's, he's a good guy and he took it on the chin um, he said something like the the biggest issue of react that that year was the something to do with free at and people were like well you know, hardly mm. any of us go to free at, you know, um, and that made me real. That was a a real um, 
sort of brought me back down to the ground a little bit and like, oh my god yeah we really should be reviewing these from the point mm. of view of it and it's not something that I'd not been doing personally but it really made me think gosh yes this is absolutely a completely fair criticism um, in that you know most people don't care about the quality of something in free app because they're not there they're not they're not, they're not bothered by it likewise though when I go to React, I want to do the full whack. I will do it in Freeat. And so one of the harder things is thinking, well, you know, do I spend a day on the fence to see what it's like and then maybe compromise my enjoyment of the air show? Or um, do I just wing it and assume that this is a problem? Or do I just not take it into account? So I will read the, the post-show thoughts that people have on the forum, the UK Air Show Review Forum. This is literally the bread yeah. and butter of the site, you know. Um, and and those those comments are so helpful from people. Yeah, I'll I'll keep an eye on what people are saying on the forum and 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 also particularly in the the staff group if there's if anyone else has been to show what people are saying. Like if I get out of a car park at the end of the day, completely freely and easily, and I'm on my way home after five minutes, but ten people on the forum have said they were stuck in a car park for two hours, then that's obviously going to go in the review that there were parking issues yeah you know? yeah absolutely and, and honestly the pe- people who have written on the forum it might it, because of the way forums work you know it, it's quite hard work comparatively to compare to say facebook or twitter or something to really properly interact with someone's post um but there are people on the forum um some familiar usernames who i know have got a pretty level head and they've got a wealth of experience behind them who i think you know if they're saying such and such was an issue even though I didn't experience it, it probably was. But there are some people on the forum who who will never know it, but they've helped me so much mm. in, in in writing reviews and features o- over the years. Um, it's a shame, really, that I, I I can't really express any proper gratitude. But that that's a huge huge help is having that that forum there. Um, and I think it's something that I'm not trying to not going for any one-upmanship here, but I think it's something that some other sites don't have is that user base where they can't look at what other people are saying about it unless they have to go and find like 10 different Facebook groups or something. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it helps hugely to um, to read forum members' comments and see what they say. I might completely disagree with it, in which case it's my review. <laughs> but <laughs> and, and actually that's something worth pointing out is that our reviews are yeah. our review and very often uh, you know it's happened in the past where one of us has written a review that other people in the staff haven't necessarily agreed with but there's a reason we put our name on it you know yeah rather than it coming from you know UK UCAR and it being endorsed <laughs> by UCAR it's, uh, yeah anyway I still can't get that I, I still don't know. Do you say UK or UCAR? <laughs> no, we we agreed last. It was only. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Give me, give me a chance to 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 wind it. A big one that I found. Um, sometimes I've done an air show, and it'll be a two-day air show. Uh, I can't, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head that I've particularly written for. Um, and you'll find a particular big difference between particular air show displays. Again, whilst it's not the biggest part of an air show, if you've got a display act, let's take let's talk about a particular Spitfire display, for instance. If I go one day, and it's a absolutely balls to the wall, brilliant display, you know, top sides are plenty, and then the next day it's essentially five miles away in the next nearest town, then I will probably all right, fine. I'm not there, so we're very, we're we're sort of going into that grey area of it's not my review anymore but if the overriding consensus is the display was 
beyond appalling, then sometimes it has to be mentioned. I'll probably go off my experience more so than anything else, but yeah, I think it has to be taken into consideration what, as you say, what the other yeah. forum it's, goers um, think. It can be it can, it can be quite hard work doing that, and it can be quite hard work reviewing a, a one like a two one day of a two day air show. Ian. As our, and I use the term loosely, youngest member of the team on the podcast. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> how have you found... Um, Sorry, I shouldn't have <laughs> How have you found starting in UCAR and, and writing reviews and, and doing photography for, for, for reviews? I joined up to UCAR as a forum member back in the 90s, so I've seen lots and wow. lots of changes, yeah. Going back Whoa, to... Yeah, what was that right. about being the youngest? Keep quiet, whipper snapper. <laughs> um, you go go back to you know clay pole days and all of those characters and everything. Then um, I, I love writing, and it, when I was asked to become a staff member, I, I was you know, relished the chance of having something good to write about and use all sorts of different words to describe how you're feeling because air shows if you're passionate about something that you like you're going to enjoy it even more and air shows we're all passionate we all love aviation different bits and bobs of it and i like to think the reviews that we do it that's that feeling does come across in there it's you know it can be quite emotive sometimes the air shows bring out different sizes different feelings in different people and it's it's I just felt great this is what I can get my teeth into we've spoken about the reviews that we've done but from my point of view um, I've done one review but I've done two previews for the Cosford show um, I, I couldn't believe it was 2017 when I was a, did sign up as a staff member um, but actually thinking about it I remember I'd, I joined the group chat and I was in a pub in Tipton with my boss it was a Wednesday night and I got so drunk went to work hung over the next morning it was I actually threw up and was taken home <laughs> sick because somebody else had a sickness bug <laughs> but I was actually hung over this is how this is just you know I mean that was the real test to <laughs> there's a running theme going on here with alcohol and <laughs> <laughs> what, what you didn't realise is that this was all set up by us to, yeah. to make sure that you Thanks. were alright but um, yeah, Tom and I did the first Cosford, uh, well, my first Cosford preview. Uh, um, it was, oh, as I say, daunting. I, I wanted to get it right because I know there is a high standard that we try and keep to. We want to keep stuff as professional as we can. It's not just a website in someone's bedroom. So there was some trepidation uh, when I went out there. The difference in doing a preview is that it isn't so much thinking about how you enjoyed a show and the thoughts of other people, but it's more interviewing people and finding out what's coming up. If the the cost of previews, uh, the two that I've done changed their date. One was March, one was April, uh, twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Uh, so of course, at that point, different things had been announced as to what was going to appear in the show 2018 of course being a big one with the 100th anniversary of the RAF as well so I did feel a bit of pressure to try and get the build up going so people will be excited for the show and I, I hope that did did work uh, so it, it's different 
a, a different style, completely different writing style. You're interviewing people, so you, you're trying to find out what's going on. And I wouldn't say that you're working on behalf of these um, the, the organisers, but you do want to help them uh, in building up the show and getting the people through the gates. And of course, that means more money for them, more money for charities, etc., etc. So you are you, you do want to do the best. You are patting them on the back and giving them a helping hand there. I think with with criticising the show as well, hopefully organisers, hopefully they do read our reviews, and you know we'd like to see, we'd like to say, you know sometimes if they do take our our criticism on board attention for the next year, absolutely we'll write about that. Hundred percent. Well, in yeah. fact, I've I've done it a lot of times, um, and the the I've I've done a couple of react reviews now, and um, they've very clearly if perhaps a bit sort of subtly appeared to have taken on board criticism of a previous year the problem is that you can never guarantee whether it's you know our review that's been the thing that spurned that or whether we were correctly mirroring everyone else's opinions you know i mean that's the other thing is is if you write a review of a show and it tends to be completely off the wall with everyone else's opinions and you've got to think well hang on why have I seen this differently? And sometimes that just happens. Sometimes that's just the, the the way things fall. But normally, when you when we write reviews, they normally fall in line with what people's opinions were about the show. Um, they might raise slightly separate points. It's basically just a long, longer version of a, a forum post, and, and most of those have a direction of travel, um, to use a horrible <laughs> corporate term. But um, so you can never say that it is our review that, that caused a step change. But if, say, we picked up something that was, you know, this wasn't great because of whatever reason, the next year it was then good, um, or or at least efforts were made to improve it, and then you think, all right, yeah, fair play. You know, it might it might not have been our particular criticism of it. But it ours might just be one voice in, in several. But the fact that they've taken general criticism on board and try to improve it it's great well i mean one of the big things is the the cost for traffic problem it cost had a legendary legendarily bad traffic problem in 2009 2013 were particularly awful and i went to both of those shows and they were, it was just oh my god I've, I've never seen anything like it um and clearly that was a massive criticism of the show and they've they've gone to huge lengths to improve it you know whether whether or not they're, they're there i don't know but every year they're trying and trying and trying hard to sort that out and that's great to see and you and you can't not and that's exactly what I did in my 2015 review I said look you know they're doing something different with traffic that's got to be applauded even if it's not quite successful at least they're trying to to sort out what people have have, you know what what issues people have raised and that's great if you're going to shows year on year it's great to see organizers evolve the show commensurate with feedback rather than completely shut down and say oh they're just armchair critics they don't know what they're talking about because we're the paying punters you know I'm going to say the, the last thing that we want not that it's you know any detriment to us but the last thing you want is an air show that we've reviewed or, or the organiser sorry of an air show that we've reviewed to then turn around and completely snub what we've said and gone I, I mean I, I can't think of a particular example of uh, particularly of any air shows that I've done where that's happened I can um <laughs> Uh, as I say, ones that I've reviewed, that's not happened. But I'm sure there are instances where UK show review have done reviews and they've been snubbed by the organisers, going, "What do you think you're talking about?" Sort of thing. 
and how dare you write that? Oh, as if, no, that's, that's, as if that's, you can't criticise that organisers read our reviews because they either get addressed directly or indirectly sometimes on social media sometimes you just hear about it um, but I what I think is important is that any organisers who, who are reading our reviews of their shows know whether they like what they read or not know that our review is both objective and are the voice of the paying punter and let's not say that other reviews aren't by the way yeah, of course not no yeah. no not at all but you're right and, and and the other thing as well is that um again i said it before it, it's it's not satis there's no satisfaction to be had in absolutely panning a show in a review there's, there's not that many shows where you'd absolutely pan it because there's normally some good things to be able to be brought out but there's no satisfaction to be had in writing an easy review about a bad show we all love to go to good shows yeah um so but and the other thing as well is that it makes say we criticize a show one year that means that we're unafraid not only to criticize but we're also unafraid to praise a show where it where it's due and that means that our praise is very hopefully worthwhile compared to uh someone who would say that regardless of what the air show is they'll just write a positive piece about it every single time i'm not saying that anyone actually does that what i mean is that if someone can criticize you and but they're objective enough to also praise you when you get it right that praise is worth so much more because it's not just you know plasticky sort of that you, know, you get praised no matter what the actual praise from someone who who has the capacity to criticize you unafraid to criticize you is is worth i think so much more um but maybe that's just me I think the thing with criticism is that you don't want to see people uh, fail at things yeah, with all of their shows. Yeah, you want to see different bits and bobs. We want people to do the best that we can. And if we do criticise, it isn't that we are having a go, having a pop at the organisers. It's just something where X, Y, Z happened. And yeah, it was good, but it could be made so much better by this, that and the other. And say we, we do want the best for aviation, especially in these times. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is, we also want the best for ourselves and for the punters. You know, if if, if an air show's selling yeah. tickets that we don't think are value for money, then um, yeah, we can say that because you know th this might be a great air show, but it just costs so much. It might be worth it, it might not be. You know, which um, which for my money has been literally has been most Duxfords of the past years. Well, that's what yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, the 2014 September show that I was talking about before that I absolutely panned in in, in a review, and I was very scared to publish it because it was one of my very early ones, and I felt so bad writing it. But there was so much to talk about. That was ha hands down one of the least enjoyable air shows I've been to. Yet the the two lengths were there. It, it was a crazy sort of paradox in my mind. Yet the year before their spring air show, it was near enough as perfect an air show as I've been to. So you know, think the pendulum can swing, especially at places like Duxford. Shuttleworth seemed to consistently get it pretty pretty good, um, or at the very least you know what you're getting. With Duxford, the pendulum seems to swing quite wildly, or a little bit more wildly. Um, but yeah, so one of my happiest airshow memories, and one of my least savoury airshow memories, are both at the same venue, by the same airshow organiser. Well, I, I tell you what, maybe I don't want my voice to be the last one, but just before we wrap up, um, for 
to, to, to sort of epitomise that, the first Shuttleworth show I went to was the evening after... It was the Shuttleworth evening show after um, Duxford 2015 VE Day show. And I had a pretty rubbish day at Duxford. Like, it was good flying. There was some nice stuff in the air. But I just it was just that same old atmosphere of like everyone fighting each other to get spaces and just big crowds and probably you know maybe too many people inside and I just hated it and then I got in my car before the end of the Duxford show drove over to Old Warden and before I'd got out of the car I felt the difference in just the show the venue the the atmosphere the crowd before I got out of my car my even before I turned the engine off it was it is so powerful and so tangible something like air show atmosphere and and the nature of the crowd which at Shuttleworth is just always reverential and relaxed and calm and enjoyable um does anyone else have anything they just points they wanted to make about writing for UCAR I think the big I think the big (laughs) I think the big thing um like we mentioned at the very top of this podcast is I just miss doing it at the moment I miss you know Get sitting down with my laptop after a weekend or a day at an air show and going and thinking about what I really enjoyed because as we've said no one really enjoys writing about the negatives I just miss doing that at the moment because you know it's the 31st of May now we've, probably, we've all probably been to at least one show at this time during a normal air show season so for me it's just that normality of not writing anything at the moment which yeah is a bit weird. Yeah. Thank God for the podcast. And I and I I enjoy writing. I miss it. Um, I'm keen to get on to more. So someone's gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say as daft as it sounds, I think next year it could be tricky to write a good review because of having missed so many things this year. All the shows are gonna, well, hopefully make up for missing out items, different. Um, special dates and things that would happen this year I mean VE Day for example and uh, yeah. you know, Battle of Britain that that kind of thing I think I just hope that they don't try and cram too many things in and ruin shows for next year and I, I just think in the back of my mind it could it could make things difficult you know to try and you know even things out when you're writing a review it's going to be a complete reset isn't it but what yeah. comes up must come down but perhaps you yeah. know I mean, maybe that's a podcast in itself. How how yeah. a sh- how how a show's going to come back, and and what's what's twenty twenty one going to look like? Exactly. So I think there's probably I think we spent too much time talking about Dan's failed career to really crack into the UCAR staff stuff. And I think I think probably not next week or or necessarily soon. But I think there's more we can talk about on the nature of writing for a site like UCAR. You know, if, and and it's worth saying. We're all very lucky to write for a site like okay, plugging ourselves, but write for a site like UCAR, who's very well established in the hobby and has been around for you know over two decades now. Um, and I, I, I certainly felt very pleased to be writing for UCAR when I joined. Still do. So maybe at some point we can talk more about sort of managing forums and being able to do stuff sort of extracurricular to the air shows through being part of the UCAR team which has, has been very good fun over the last few years for all of us but for now that will be it for this week if you've got any thoughts you can uh, head to our forums which will be linked to in the description which is at 
forums.airshows.co.uk. If you want to go back and read any of the reviews that we've written and interviews and feature articles that we've done as well, head to airshows.co.uk. It will also be linked in the description. Uh, so for now, goodbye, and hopefully see you next week. <laughs>